Thank you, all worship team, for serving us and leading us in worship. Good morning, Firewheel Bible Fellowship. It is good to be back together again on the Lord's Day. Uh, some of you who watched our Facebook Live this week uh, know the inside joke on that. I have a few announcements for you. Uh, just to start off with, usually I do the announcements at the end, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to give them to you right up front. So uh, June 7th, uh, which is one week from today, we are going to have our first live service. This sounds so crazy uh, to say out loud, uh, but our first live service uh, in over two months. Uh, we're going to have uh, two services on that Sunday morning. We're going to have a 9 a.m., uh, and that service is reserved uh, for any person who is 60 and above uh, and those who are immune-compromised. That will be our first service at 9 a.m., and then in between services, we're going to wipe everything down and get it all cleaned up. And then at 11 a.m., we're going to have a service for everyone else. We ask that please you mask up uh, for at least the next couple of weeks. I realize they're uncomfortable, and many of us don't like wearing the mask and all of that, yada, yada. But it is a tangible way uh, of showing one another that you are loved and we love each other. And uh, in hopes that it's going to make, you know, people feel more comfortable. So that will be next Sunday. Um, we're just going to ask that we also adhere to social distancing and all of that. And we're going to have to fight the temptation. We're going to want to hug and, and uh, greet one another. But let's, let's keep, keep it safe. Uh, also want to let you know that Sunday morning gatherings uh, next week are going to be moving to Wednesday night. So they're like Wednesday night gatherings. Uh, at 7 o'clock, and your teachers have reached out to you, I'm sure, by now. Uh, and if you were not a part of a Sunday morning gathering, this would be a great opportunity. It'll be now a Wednesday night Bible study, and that will be via Zoom. And then I want to encourage you uh, to continue your faithful financial support of your church. You all have been incredibly generous uh, during this season. I want to challenge you and encourage you to continue to be and uh, it's going to be a wonderful thing when we come back together. But please continue uh, to support the ministry while we are apart. You can do that on our website at firewillfellowship.com. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to take a bit of a break from our regularly scheduled programming uh, in our Portraits of Faith series. Uh, we will definitely pick up the life of David next week. But I'm going to ask uh, that you humor me uh, this morning as I take a trip down memory lane. As of last week, May 23rd, uh, it marked 10 years of pulpit ministry, pastoral ministry here at Firewheel Bible Fellowship. May 23rd, 2010 was in fact my first sermon uh, in my then official role uh, and capacity as teaching co-pastor. And so I want to share uh, just briefly of how we as a family, the Carroll family, ended up here at Firewheel. Uh, it felt like a series of coincidences that we look back on now and we're like, that's clearly the sovereign will and hand of God at work in our life. Now, I also want to share a few lessons. So we're going to look at the journey of how we got here and then a few lessons uh, that I have, have learned valuable lessons, in fact, many lessons. I've tried to boil it down uh, to what seem like the essential lessons that I've learned over, over the years here at Firewheel. Well, the story of how we ended up here begins all the way back in 2003 
uh, when Madeline and I felt the call into pastoral ministry. And, and so I enrolled in a small Bible school in El Cajon, California, to pursue a degree in pastoral studies and psychology. And so as we began to finish out, as I began to finish out my undergraduate degree, we very quickly uh, befriended an older couple. Uh, in fact, my professor, one of my professors, a guy by the name of Chuck Emmert, and his wife Loretta graciously took us into their lives. This couple was well into their 70s, and uh, they just had a passion uh, pouring into younger families, especially pastorally-minded families. In fact, Chuck Emmert was the first professor that took me through a verse-by-verse -verse study of the book of Genesis. It is one of the reasons why the book of Genesis still to this day is one of my favorite to teach. Uh, and I've had the privilege of teaching through the book of Genesis many times over the years. Well, as I reflected on this, we, we spent so much time uh, in their living room, he and Loretta sharing stories of their time at Dallas Seminary and their ministry at a church while they were in Dallas. We absolutely soaked it all in. I mean, I loved listening to Chuck share about the lessons he learned early on in ministry and, and how God continued to provide for them when things were real lean. And the, those stories became an encouragement in our faith as we began our journey at Dallas Seminary. In fact, it was Chuck Emmert who recommended me to Dallas Seminary. And so in the summer of 2005, uh, we packed up everything we owned <laughs> into a pickup truck, uh, a little uh, Ford Ranger and uh, a little Pontiac Grand Am. We had our cat <laughs> in one of those carriers. And uh, we gave away our surfboards and left Southern California and, and headed east. Uh, it was the middle of August, so essentially we were moving to a place that felt like the surface of the sun. <laughs> At one point, uh, as we were making our drive, I called the, the manager of our new apartment building, and uh, I asked her, like, do you all have air conditioning? Like, that was a concern, because in Southern California, we never had an air conditioner. And it, <laughs> the lady was laughing so hard, uh, she actually had to put me on hold and uh, she got back on the phone and relayed that it would be illegal uh, for her to provide an apartment without air conditioning. And, and just be honest, the transition, it was a little rough uh, for these California kids. Well, fast forward a few years, and uh, a couple of kids later, I needed an internship to graduate from the seminary. And the problem was, every church that I, I reached out to or every ministry that I sought to serve in, it seemed like no matter what direction I went, the doors would shut. I found myself uh, pretty frustrated and, and at a low point. And uh, Madeline just so happened to have a conversation with a woman at the seminary and was relaying my passion and heart to be in ministry, but lacking the opportunities. And it just so happened that that, that woman had a son-in-law who just so happened to pastor a church in Dallas that just so happened to be in search of a, an intern uh, in ministry. And so about a week later, uh, I was having a cup of coffee with our previous pastor, Jeff Kincaid, and what, a, what an amazing conversation we had. And then roughly a week after that, I had met with the Board of Elders, and I was brought on staff 
Uh, I became the junior high intern. I got to work with junior high kids, and then I was the facilities guy, which essentially means I, like, cut the grass and, and taught Bible studies to our junior hires. And uh, that was July of 2009 when I first came on staff. But by January of 2010, I was in conversations with Jeff and the elders about becoming the full-time teaching co-pastor uh, here at Firewheel as Jeff was feeling led uh, to move out of ministry, being here for roughly 15-plus years, and felt the call uh, to pursue ministry elsewhere. And when I first heard about it, I mean, I was like pumped <laughs> at the opportunity. I, I was ready to jump in with, with both feet. Uh, oh, but did I mention <laughs> that the facility was going to be sold, and the senior pastor and the worship leader were going to be stepping down and leaving. Uh, the church would become portable, and we'd start meeting in a high school. Uh, and in fact, that led to kind of like me being a really unsuccessful pastor. You know, I, I took a church of about 800 uh, down to about 200 overnight. Uh, and oh yeah, by the way, I didn't have any experience at all in pastoral ministry. Uh, please, I'm going to share something with you. I'm going to ask that you don't share it with anyone else. Uh, one, of my, one of the first things that I did right before I preached my first sermon was to whiten my teeth <laughs> because every pastor I had ever known had really white teeth, and I thought that pastors needed to have white teeth. Anyway, I was a mess. And uh, totally scared Because I couldn't imagine Like preaching week after week And, and I was like What am I going to talk about for 30 minutes uh, By the way That's not so hard now <laughs> I have no problem filling up 30 minutes But as I prepared My first official sermon I still remember it to this day Called Living a Legacy And it was where I was, I was trying to connect the, the history of the church To this next leg of our journey together And as I did that I began digging through old archives At our previous facility In fact, there was about a dozen filing cabinets Now it just so happened That I started digging in this particular file cabinet And it just so happened that I was digging in this particular drawer Where I found an old file uh, from 1980 Now stuck in the very back of the file Was a piece of cheese paper Not sure if you're familiar with that It basically was like a, a, How you made duplicates uh, With a typewriter And on that piece of cheese paper There was an elder meeting uh, A record of an elder meeting Minutes from October 24th 1964 Where a one Chuck Emmert was being called to be the next youth pastor That out of all of the churches in Dallas I just so happened to end up at the church Where Chuck and Loretta had served in the 60s All those stories they had told of their early ministry experiences While in Dallas was taking place or took place In the church I was now being called to preach in I called Chuck up on the phone and I relayed to him what was going on and what I was being asked to do and his, his, He immediately was like how in the world did you end up there? And uh, 
you, you got to answer the call. This is obviously from God. You know, I keep that piece of cheese paper uh, in a frame on my desk. It's a constant reminder that at times in our life, what feel like coincidences, and this has been great because we've been having a Bible study as a family, looking at the life uh, of the early kings, uh, looking at the life of Saul and David and, and so on, and we were able to see this past week how God works through what seem like just coincidences. They just so happens that really turn out to be God bringing about his perfect will. And that, that cheese paper reminds me of that. That cheese paper has also served as a stopgap, as there's been a few times along the way where I've written one or more letters of resignation. Uh, in fact, I used to keep a file of them. Uh, you know, those days have passed. Uh, but there was a time where that was kind of like my weekly exercise And then I would look up and I would see it in the frame and I'd be reminded that this was God's will Well, you know, I could share for literally hours of our journey as a church over the last 10 years uh, Our 18 months or so and change of portable church at name and forest high school <laughs> Those were the dark days uh, There would be times when I would get up to preach in an auditorium that could comfortably sit 800 people and there'd be maybe 40 people in attendance. It's a real boost to the young pastoral ego. But as I look back on it, it was like so good. And God has been so incredibly faithful. He's brought us together as a church, this wonderful property uh, that God has provided. I mean, just the, the, the absolute blessings of the property that we now have so clearly given by God. Uh, the ministry has been so blessed. And, you know, I could really share uh, story after story. But I want to share some other things uh, that I've seen along the way. And really some lessons that I've, I've learned um, I've still got so much to learn, but here's, here's some of the things that I've learned over the course of my time, over the last 10 years. And so what I've done is I've prepared these, and, uh, you know, there, there's more than this, but this is kind of boiling it down. I have learned along the way that pride is as destructive as the Bible teaches. Pride is as destructive as the Bible teaches, as Proverbs 16, verse 18 records, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Now, coming out of seminary, I had an ego that could blot out the sun. I had a master's of theology under my belt, which, by the way, <laughs> over the course of 10 years, no one has ever asked to see it. It hangs in my office if you want to come take a look at it. Uh, it hangs around some other pictures. Anyway, coming out of the seminary, I was it on a stick. You know, I'd come off a couple of speaking engagements and opportunities for the seminary. They had sent my bio out and some promotional materials. My photo was on the DTS catalog, and another one hung in the president's office uh, next to great teachers like Chuck Swindoll and Tony Evans and Chip Ingram and... And, and of course me You know, I was something and I was going places and and honestly So uncomfortable to share out loud. I literally thought that firewheel was lucky to have me 
uh, looking back, it's like downright cringy. I was so puffed up. I, I could not listen. I wasn't teachable. I knew absolutely everything. And th there were times, literally times, where I was like 30 minutes away from being fired. I had so much to learn, but I just couldn't see it. It's just like Paul writes about in Galatians 6.3. If anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, <laughs> they deceive themselves. Oh man, was I deceived. Also in Romans 12.3, Paul writes this, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Don't get drunk on self, but in accordance with the faith that God has given. Well, I was, I was both drunk and deceived with self. In a really generous and gracious move, the Board of Elders worked to connect me with a mentor. <laughs> a mentor at the time I just didn't think I needed. And so I was having breakfast uh, with our beloved and longtime elder, Bill Ragsdale, uh, who has, has gone on to be with the Lord. We sat there over a plate of eggs, and he relayed to me that if I was going to stay at Firewheel, then I would start meeting with Don Geiger, a pastor with over 50 years of pastoral experience, who in fact had led Firewheel during some of the, the most spiritually enriching times uh, and growing times uh, at the church over the years. He was well-respected, uh, and he was open to mentoring a young pastor, but still confident <laughs> that I didn't need mentoring. I asked Bill, so uh, what if I don't do it? <laughs> to which he so kindly but firmly replied, then you're going to need to find another place to preach. I was like, oh, so it's like that. And he was like, yeah, it's like that. Well, that one conversation set in motion a mentoring relationship that has stretched over the last nine years. I still weekly meet with Don Geiger. And honestly, I can tell you that God working through him, he, he's one of the— uh, major reasons that I'm still in ministry. I've learned this wonderful principle of being teachable and learning and gleaning and his patient pastoring. It's so important for a pastor to have a pastor, and, and Don is my pastor. And over the years, he has helped me grow into a shepherd. It's very reminiscent uh, of a relationship that we read about in the scriptures between Paul and Timothy. I am forever grateful for that man who poured into my life. I am so grateful for our elders and for Don Geiger. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 5 records in the same way, you who were younger, submit yourselves. I used to think that word submit was, was a bad word, another S word, but you know what? I've come to see it as the greatest blessing in the world to submit ourselves to your elders, all of you clothe yourself with humility because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I have learned that pride and, and arrogance, they have no place in ministry. A know-it-all, an unteachable spirit, that's really the fast track out of the ministry. I've also learned that there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors I have a lot of great ideas. Uh, ideas that seem really great. Uh, and some of them just aren't that great. And uh, I've learned the incredible blessing of allowing people to not only speak into my life, 
but to allow a group of people to share their thoughts, their opinions and perspectives on the ministry, and provide leadership and direction for the church, the elders and our staff continue to be and have been some of the greatest assets of this ministry. Family, this is not my church. I do not own it. I am just a servant here, and it is such a privilege to serve along such incredible, alongside such incredible and faithful and godly elders. <laughs> it's a real thankless job, by the way, our elders. And they do it, and they serve week in and week out, and they are faithful to the ministry. Church, please, please, please pray for, and we'd give an opportunity, show that love and appreciation for the work that they do, and for our staff. Gosh, incredible staff here at the church. What a wonderful team to serve alongside of, faithful and godly people. Um, I've learned to carry both compliments and criticism with the same hand. Now, early on, I was often crushed by criticism and then chased compliments. Both practices proved to be detrimental. Early on, I set out to attempt to please everyone. Now, I didn't realize it, but I was a perennial people pleaser from season to season. It's clear as day looking back. But what I've come to, to realize is that my responsibility in pastoral ministry is not to please everybody. In fact, that's an impossible undertaking. But my responsibility is to set out to please and honor Christ. Just as Paul records in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, I'm encouraged because, because Paul kind of tips his hand that he too was a perennial people pleaser. He says this, and am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So today, I try to carry both criticism and compliment with the same weight. Because honestly, there are times when I need to receive that criticism. The shoe can fit at times. There's times where I'm like, oh, that's pretty accurate. And there are times where it's a blessing to just be a receive, on the receiving end of a compliment and be a blessing to those who give it. And people are, you know, both criticism and compliments will come, but I've learned to carry them with equal weight. I've also learned that my role as pastor here is to shepherd the flock through sound teaching of the Word of God. Shepherd the flock through sound teaching. This generation is suffering from spiritual and biblical illiteracy and spiritual immaturity. Family, it's not my responsibility or our responsibility to entertain. We're not in the entertainment business. Our responsibility is to teach sound biblical teaching, doctrine and theology, faithful discipleship. One of the great joys of, of the ministry is, is the, the great blessing I have of teaching the scriptures week in and week out. And one of those places I get to do that is in a cl class called Foundations. It began as, as a crazy idea. It was all the way back when we were portable and we were renting out an old office space in Garland. And I, I had this idea that I would rent out the fourth floor, part of the fourth floor anyway, and uh, if any of you remember it, it was a tenement 
of a building. It, you literally were taking your life in your hands anytime you got on the elevator. And uh, got a bunch of white chairs, and I filled this room, and, and my thought on it was, I was, I was going to walk a group of people through the entire Bible. We were going to go from Genesis to Revelation verse by verse. <laughs> and nine months we covered up to Joshua. And uh, it became this wonderful class where we learned together and we grew together. And uh, it's kind of funny now. I've, I've had some folks that have shared early on when they were in that old building. There were so many people crammed into the classroom. Uh, uh, folks would actually be sitting there at times thinking about how they would escape in case of a fire. <laughs> it, was, it was so cramped and, uh, and really unsafe <laughs> looking back. But uh, what, what a great experience. And uh, really that foundations model has become the foundation of all of our teaching uh, here at Firewheel. Sound biblical teaching, it's, it's reasonable, and it is right for us to provide that. I've seen that we are to be servant shepherds uh, as elders and as a pastor. It is our responsibility to guard the flock because there really are wolves. It's true. And they come in, in sheep's clothing, and, and they sound like sheep. They're like, but really, they're, they're here to tear apart and to divide and to twist teaching and to draw people to themselves. And it is our responsibility to tenderly care for the church, but to protect her and to protect fiercely the unity of the flock of the church. What a great blessing to be a part of a group uh, of leaders and shepherds that have undertaken that ministry. I have learned that there is no room for Saturday night specials. Uh, and what I mean by that, it, it's common practice um, in the church and among pastors to sometimes kind of wing it and uh, just kind of stand up and, and share some half-baked sermon or teaching. And from early on, uh, and this has just been drilled into me, there's no room for that. That is not a spiritual exercise, that if we're ever going to stand up to teach, and if I'm going to teach anything, let it be well-prepared and developed. It's hard work, but it's good work, so that when we come together and that when we sit under teaching, that it is solid and it is sound, and we are being fed Scripture and truth. And so I continue to make that commitment to you. No Saturday night specials here. No half-baked sermons or, or off-the-cuff teaching but prepared sound teaching. Uh, I have learned to lavish grace and love, the same grace and love that has honestly been lavished on me and my mess. And I look at the, the example of Jesus's earthly ministry and the people that he surrounded himself with, that he did not come to call the, 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 the healthy, those who thought they were healthy anyway, the, the self-righteous, but he came to call those who were sick. And I really see that as our ministry, you know, to call those who are spiritually sick. And, and here's the deal. Spiritually sick people, well, they're going to do spiritually sick things. But to be gracious, because you know, you, you can't do ministry in and among the sick without getting messed on the carpet. And, and it is messy, but it's beautiful. And, and I've learned the incredible blessing of lavishing grace and love. There's no room for an iron-fisted tyrant uh, in the ministry. It's what I love so much about you are loved. It's our ethic. Uh, and for me personally, it is, it is a core value and will be for the rest of my life that I can without any doubt declare and tell you that you are loved.
Um, I've learned along the way that resentment is a toxin. And it, it, it affects and it infects the soul and the heart and the mind. And it, and it tears down the spiritual life. It's really easy to collect a list of resentments in pastoral ministry and in life, frankly. But Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 to get rid of it, to get rid of bitterness and anger and slander and every form of, of this, this toxin, but to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving just as God in Christ forgave us. I've learned this wonderful spiritual path of being able to seek forgiveness, but also to give it. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And to watch as God ministers that grace and that resentment is healed and it allows freedom to seek out reconciliation with with people along the way and 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 by the way over the years there have been times where i've hurt people and there have been times where i've been hurt by people and there's just this beauty of of the cross and of the gospel that yes there are times where dividing walls happen and there there's times where we get hurt or we hurt people but through the gospel there can be reconciliation and healing of relationships. And I've learned the incredible blessing of, of not only bringing my resentments to the Lord for healing, but also to seek out reconciliation. Beautiful lessons. Uh, I've learned that comparison is the joy stealer. Comparison is the joy stealer. I often have people ask me, so, uh, Chris, how many people attend your church? <laughs> I first have to inform them that it's, it's not my church, it's Jesus' church. And then I, I relay that that's not really the question we ask. It's not so much about how many people attend Firewheel. It's how many people are being discipled here at Firewheel. How many people are growing in their spiritual life and being poured into and mentored? How many, how many people are being led and spiritually healthy Yet, at times, I've been bitten by that bug. Uh, more than once, as I look around at other ministries and other people's platforms, and, and I'll tell you, it just sucks the vitality and the joy right out of my soul for the incredible blessings that we have here. It is so strange to lament the people who aren't here uh, to the neglect of those who are. And that is something that I, I continually bring to the Lord because comparison steals joy. I've learned that ministry is a marathon and not a sprint. Anything that we set out to do really, really quick, and there's times, again, back to those great ideas where I'm like, we got to implement this now. And uh, I, I've, I've found <laughs> that anything that gets implemented really quick typically doesn't amount to much. Now, ministry is a steady plod. It is loving one another over a lifetime. We journey together. We serve together. We love one another. And we just take it one day at a time. Easy does it. Boy, if this season hasn't taught us that. I've also learned that the health of my family takes priority. The church is important, but it is not the most important. And it's not more important than my lovely wife and my five sons. I have been tasked with the ministry and health of our home that if I'm not faithful in that ministry, that I'm not faithful in this one. We have learned the importance of our own spiritual health and journey as a husband and wife. And 
And as we continue to grow in our marriage and parenting, we continue to grow in our service of Christ and His church. In fact, I can relay with joy, this has been one of the healthiest seasons for the Carroll household. It has been really sweet. And I can tell you today that if it was not for the support of my lovely wife, I would not continue to be in ministry. I would not be in ministry today. Uh, in fact, I can, I can honestly tell you that over the course of 10 years and all of the time in the seminary and all the time in undergraduate, never once has Madeline challenged me or told me to quit. She's always been there to say, Chris, God's called us to this. Stay the course. I've had such incredible support from my wife. And I, and I really get to love two beauties. And what I mean by that is this. I get to love my beautiful, creative, funny, intelligent, witty masterpiece of a wife and our five sons, like olive shoots around the table like arrows in the hand of a warrior. But I also get to love this beautiful church. Messy, broken, but beautiful. And really, I've, I've learned to remain teachable. And I'm learning that. It's hard. It's hard to take that posture, especially one who's so prone to teach. But there's a real blessing in taking the posture of being teachable. I have learned that when I take that posture, there's always provided a teacher. But when I'm not teachable, no matter how good the teaching, I won't hear it. I am so grateful for the wonderful teachers and the wonderful lessons that I have learned over the past 10 years. And, and the last thing I want to share with you that I've learned, I love this church. Family, I personally want to say thank you for the high privilege of serving you as your pastor. I want to thank you elders and staff lay leaders, faithful attenders, both from the past and the present, servants, gracious saints. It is such a high honor to serve here. I thank you deeply for the last 10 years of ministry. And if you will have me, it would be my honor and privilege, Lord willing, to serve you for another 10 been a wonderful journey. And I do look forward to what the Lord has in store for us. And I want to end this morning uh, the way I end every single message here at Firewheel with a benediction that I learned from Don Geiger early on in our mentoring relationship that truly encapsulates what we are to be about. And so family, as we prepare to go out into the world in peace, let us bow our heads together and let us pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for your beautiful church. I thank you for the honor of serving her and the privilege of being a shepherd here, shoulder to shoulder with other shepherds. I thank you for our elders, for our staff, for our volunteers, for the family. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you continue to grow us together, continue to lead us to your heart, that we would, we would look on your glory and that we would be in awe 
and that we would be moved to worship, that, Father, as we worship your Son, that you would be honored above everything, that we would be prepared and teachable, that we would come together to grow in your Scripture, to study the Word, to grow in the doctrine of your truth, that we would be in awe of you, God. We ask that you would continue to bring about transformation in our lives. Please allow us the privilege of sharing your gospel with those in our community. Please allow us the honor and the privilege of being of service. That, Lord Jesus, you came to serve and not to be served. May we take that posture. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that at such a time as this, where all these things that seem like coincidences are actually your divine purposes and your will. We thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful place. Lord, I ask for the honor and the privilege of continuing to serve you. Thank you, my Master and Lord Jesus. And thank you, our Father in heaven. We love you and we worship you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.